James, New Testament book of James, James chapter 3. Uh, Hayden is coming and uh, is going to continue our series in that letter. Morning. Morning. I'm also not going to do the sermon in the box ever. <laughs> uh, we are in James 3 this morning. Last week we are in chapter 2. Uh, we looked at how genuine faith in Jesus works. It uh, works itself out, specifically last week, with impartiality, not treating others unequally. And this week, James continues uh, on with that same working faith, but this time he focuses on the problem of the tongue. So we'll read the whole chapter, uh, 18 verses, and I'll read it now. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able, to, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire, and the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird and reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, Gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, we need your wisdom from above. Meet us this morning as we look at your word and show us Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. 
So the King's Speech was a film in 2010 that told uh, the true story of uh, King George VI of England, and the movie is bookended with two speeches of the king. Shocker. Uh, And now now public speeches for uh, any political leader, but especially during the time around uh, the Second World War, were one of the primary ways that leaders exercised their leadership. They led with their tongues. But King George, he had a tongue problem. He, stuffed, he, <laughs> he suffered from a very bad stutter. And the opening scene of this movie is this painfully quiet crowd that the camera alternates between them um, kind of wincing and hanging their heads and King George failing to even start a sentence, fumbling over his words. He wasn't able to get through a speech, and as a result, he wasn't able to capture the hearts of the people. He wasn't able to lead them with clarity. He wasn't able to embolden them in their fears. Now, none of us are trying to lead a country uh, with our words, but we do have a tongue problem, but it goes much deeper than just a stutter or a stammer because our tongue problem is really a problem of the heart. And what James is telling us this morning is that there's a, a kind of heart that leads to destruction and devastation, and there's a heart that leads to peace, and the tongue is a key to knowing which one is below the surface. Now, for many of us, that alone is an indictment. That's a problem. And so that's where James starts with the problem of the tongue. But then he goes on to offer a solution to that problem and then how to get that solution. So those are the three things we'll look at this morning. The problem of the tongue, the solution to that problem, and then how to get that solution. So first, the problem of the tongue. James puts us all on the hook here in verse 2 and he says, if anyone does not stumble in what he says. He's perfect. Now, James is a master teacher. He uses all kinds of rhetorical devices throughout the letter to make his point, and he starts off with these three kind of mini illustrations to highlight the power of the tongue. And it's the the imagery of a bit, a rudder, and a spark. Each one is a relatively small thing, but it has incredible influence. And so if you think about a bit, where we're from in Kentucky is home to the thoroughbred breed of horses, these explosive, massive, powerful animals. But if you put a jockey on the back of a thoroughbred with a bit in its mouth, all that power and all of that energy can be harnessed and directed into something beautiful. It's the same with a rudder. I read this week that only about 2% of uh, the rudder is about 2% of the size of the area, the underwater area of a boat, not to mention the, all the part of the boat that's not in the water. And so overall, it's just a fraction of the ship, but the slightest change in direction of the rudder alters the entire course of the ship. And then James shifts his illustration from harnessing and directing with the, with the bit and the rudder to the imagery of destruction with the spark, the flame. 
The destructiveness of fire, it's pretty much a universal truth. We all know how destructive fires can be, even recently thinking about the wildfires in, in Canada, somewhere around 25 million acres have been destroyed so far. But that kind of destruction can happen in our own hearts as well. Just to be very personal, I have been putting out fires in my life, trying to breathe through the smoke from flames sparked by things that have been said to me and things that have gone unsaid. And I bet I'm not alone. There are words that have been said to you that echo in your head every night when you go down to sleep. There are words that you've never said out loud, but that you've rehearsed about yourself over and over again. And these words have the power to shape your whole life. James says in verse 6, they're burning the entire course of life. And here's his point. The tongue is powerful. It's able to harness and unleash in beautiful ways, but it's also able to destroy and to haunt. Now, why is that? Why is the tongue so powerful? Well, from the beginning, God has created his world to be moved by words. In the very first pages of Scripture, God spoke and there was. He created with speech, and we are made in his image, so there is inherent power in the tongue. Words matter, and words matter because they have the power to create. They bring to life the desires of our hearts and the thoughts of our minds, and this is the problem of the tongue. James continues on with a new set of illustrations. He starts listing off this string of Rhetorical questions. Can a spring pour forth salt and fresh water? Can a fig tree bear olives? Can a grapevine produce figs? And the answer, of course, to all those is no. And here James is touching on a reality that we all know, that the root determines the fruit. The source determines what flows out of it. And you see the source of the tongue is the heart. Jesus said the mouth speaks out of the heart. And for people with hearts that are curved in on themselves, marred by sin, that's a problem. So do your words build or do they destroy? Do your words bless or do they burn? Either way, the tongue is just a check engine light. It's an indicator of the state of your heart. And I think it's worth taking a moment here just to Let James reorient us because I think this topic of the tongue sometimes can just sound like good old behavioral religion. Don't cuss, don't chew, don't date girls who do. (laughs) But James is really serious and we should be willing to have him direct us here. He's so serious. He goes on in verse 6 to say that this fire is from hell. That seems strong. Uh, How can James say that? Let's just take a biblical survey of the tongue of words. We could start in Genesis 3. We could sum up the fall of mankind as a twisting of words. The serpent, the father of lies, came in and with a spark said, Did God really say? Isaiah 6, the prophet is confronted with 
that vision of God's holiness and he summarizes his own sin and the idolatry of the people by saying that he is a man and they are a people of unclean lips. Matthew 16, after Jesus told his disciples about his death and his resurrection, Peter essentially says, Jesus, that is a lie. Far be it from you to die. And you know how Jesus responded, get behind me, Satan. And then Romans 3, Paul is talking about how we are all under sin. And listen to how he describes this unrighteousness. He says their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive The venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. So over and over again, the authors of the Bible sum up idolatry and wickedness and sin of all kinds with the language of the tongue. And this is the problem of the tongue. Not that it's too powerful. It's meant to create and to shape with power The problem of the tongue is the source. The problem of the tongue is that our words give creative, powerful expression to the unrighteousness of our hearts. And so how do we deal with the source? What's the solution to a diseased root? Well, James gives a very interesting solution. The solution says James, isn't taming the tongue. In fact, no one can do that. It is a restless evil. The solution, James says, is wisdom. In verses 13 through 18, James launches into this comparison of two kinds of wisdom, false wisdom and true wisdom. And for each one, he shows us where it comes from, what it looks like, and what it leads to. False wisdom comes from the world. Verse 15, he says it's earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. Not all wisdom is good wisdom. There is a wisdom that looks powerful and impressive and competent, but it is empty of any real spiritual power. And it's ultimately demonic. And again, James is using some pretty strong language. How can he say that this wisdom is demonic. Well, he says it's demonic because of what it looks like. This false wisdom, when it plays out in our lives, looks like jealousy and selfish ambition. This is wisdom for wisdom's sake. This is wisdom that has become the heart's true love. And so, when it is threatened by someone who has more wisdom, the response is jealousy. Or if it leads to a taste of success, the response is selfish ambition, to trample on others to get more. And all of this ultimately leads to what James calls disorder in every vile practice. If earthly wisdom is your goal, you will use any means necessary to get it and to keep it, including your tongue. You will cut others down. You will put them in their place. You will lie a little here a little there to get ahead and you know where all this leads James calls it disorder but it's just relational mess hurt division things being out of order according to how God has designed the world and so a few questions for us to consider this morning are your words marked by jealousy 
Do you use your words for your own ambition? Do your words create disorder? Is there a trail of division that follows behind you? If so, these might be symptoms of an earthly wisdom. But true wisdom is altogether different. True wisdom, James says, is from above. And notice the relational nature of what it looks like. It's pure, peaceable, gentle, open to reason, mercy, good fruits, impartial, sincere. Wisdom, true wisdom, is not just intellectual. It is relational and behavioral. This true wisdom from above, it works by producing in us qualities, qualities that play out in community, in relationships that ultimately lead to peace. James says the end of true wisdom is a harvest of righteousness sown in peace. Does that sound like your life? Does that sound like our community? Are we growing in peace? Are we harvesting righteousness? If not, we may know our Bibles we may have our theology worked out. We may even know a lot about what's going on in our culture, but it is empty of spiritual power. There's no true wisdom in that. And so if the solution to our tongue problem is wisdom, but wisdom isn't just earthly knowledge or intellect, then how do we get it? Well, James has been very clear twice in this chapter. He said that true wisdom is from above. The source of true wisdom is the Father above who gives every good and perfect gift. We saw it in chapter 1. And it's the spirit of wisdom from the Father that Jesus promised to send to us. He told his disciples, it's better that I go away because if I don't go away, I can't send you my spirit. But when he comes, he will guide you into all truth. And after Jesus' resurrection and ascension into heaven, we see this spirit come and listen to how Acts, the scene is described in Acts. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, we're not going to wade into the discussion on what those tongues sounded like or whether or not something like that should be happening uh, on Sunday mornings because I think Luke is making a greater point. Luke is showing us how a racially and nationally and linguistically diverse group became united in the Spirit, and what the Spirit used to unite them was the tongue. James said tongues as of fire. Tongues being symbolic of unity, a shared language, and fire being symbolic of, yes, destruction, but also purifying. And so this whole scene is symbolic of heaven, when the nations will be gathered together in Christ from every tribe, tongue, and nation. No disorder, no division, a pure community with tongues used for peace. And here at Pentecost, Heaven is descending on earth, and we are seeing a glimpse of the ultimate harvest of righteousness, a harvest of shalom. But it's just a glimpse, because no mere human is able to tame the tongue like this. 
But in Jesus, the God who created the tongue actually took on a human tongue. And scripture says that there was no sin in him, nor was there deceit found in his mouth. Jesus could tame the tongue because he had created the tongue. Jesus is the word of God in Genesis 1 who created all things. And it's his spirit, the spirit of wisdom that was hovering over everything in Genesis 1 with creative power. And this spirit has been poured into our hearts. And when we receive this spirit, he begins creating in us his fruit. Those qualities of love and joy, patience, kindness, Qualities that then overflow from our lips. And James says that that is true wisdom. And so how do we get that wisdom? Well, James has already told us in chapter 1, you lack wisdom because you don't ask. But it makes all the difference who you ask. James says you have to ask the Father. Adoption is and wisdom are inseparable. Only children get true wisdom. True wisdom is a family affair because he wants his children to look like him, to be wise like him. So through his son, he fills us with his spirit, who is not only the spirit of adoption, but the spirit of wisdom. And this spirit is always with us. King George's wife, Queen Elizabeth, she became so concerned about her husband's stammer that she hired the help of a speech therapist named Lionel Logue. And Logue and the king became good friends, and he eventually led the king through this incredible vocal transformation. The king learned to harness his tongue. In the final scene of the movie is the king's first wartime speech and he delivers it flawlessly and then he returns to the palace and he stands on the balcony and there's a sea of people it's a kingdom united under his words and as the movie ends there's a text uh, that appears and it says that throughout all of his wartime speeches Logue was always there in the room with him helping him speak And this is the beauty of our life in Christ. We have received his spirit, the spirit of wisdom from from above, and this spirit is our teacher who is always with us, teaching us, not just correcting our stammering speech, but applying the resurrection power of Jesus to our hearts. And that power grows in us, the fruit of the spirit, fruit that blooms out of our lips, leading to a harvest of righteousness in peace. May we be a church that reaps that kind of harvest. Let's pray. Father, we lack wisdom. Would you give it to us? Through your Son, by your Spirit, would you fill our hearts with true wisdom and let it lead to a harvest of righteousness in our hearts and in our community. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you please stand? One of the good things that we can do with our tongues, with our speech, 
is to proclaim the faith. And so let's do that now, trusting in the gift of God's spirit. Uh, let's proclaim the truth that God has revealed to us in his word. We'll do that using the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And now as we sing, let's ask for wisdom. Let's ask for that wisdom that comes from above as God sends his spirit on us to bear in us the harvest of righteousness. Let's sing together. 